Hello ladies and gentlemen, my name is Karlinka Wens and I wish you a warm welcome at 48 Minutes Unplugged. In this podcast series we interview leaders who we think are inspiring. We rapid fire questions at them to discover what makes them stand out. Because we believe the world today more than ever needs inspiring leaders. Leaders who are good at what they do but stand out in the way they do it. Who are able to keep focus in a rapidly changing world and have an impact that reaches further. To truly unplug from busy and tune in into the here and now, we invite our guests to do a breathing exercise with us. We intentionally do not disclose the questions in advance because we would like to get intuitive and heartfelt answers. We want you to really get to know the person behind the title. The questions have no logical order and that at times might feel a bit uneasy. After 48 minutes exactly, you will hear a tone which means the interview will come to an end, no matter how exciting the content is at that moment. All our episodes can be accessed via Spotify or Apple Podcasts and do check out our website www.48hoursandblog.com to stay up to date on our upcoming leadership retreats and other activities. Welcome to our 8th episode of 48 Minutes Unplugged. Today we have a very special guest in our podcast. His name is Mo Gaudet. After running Google's offices in more than 50 countries, Mo served as the Chief Business Officer of Google X, also known as the Moonshot Factory. At Google X, he contributed significantly to the operation model that is now considered as the golden standard in technology innovation around the world. But when in 2014 his 21-year-old son Ali died during a routine surgery, things changed. 70 days after his death, Mo started writing about happiness as a tribute to his beloved son, who was his happiness idol. The result was Soul for Happy, which became an international bestseller translated in 28 languages. Mo left Google in February 2018 to focus entirely on his new personal moonshot, One Billion Happy. His dream was to start a global pandemic of joy and spread his son's message by doing so. I met Mo one and a half years ago in France on a retreat he organized on positive innovation. A few months later, we co-hosted a retreat in the Dominican Republic on positive leadership. And at the end of 2019, he accepted the role of godfather of my company, 48 Hours Unplugged. I appreciate Mo for his sharp and quick mind in discussions, but most of all for his big heart and generosity. I know he has a very busy schedule, which makes me even more grateful for the opportunity to have him on our podcast today. Welcome, Mo. Thank you. It's always a pleasure, Carlene. So, Mo, um, my first question. Uh, you know, I'm an extrovert. I know you are an introvert. So I'm very curious to know how you are uh, appreciating these days and how are you spending these days uh, <laughs> in uh, lockdown? Yeah, lo lockdown uh, is my... Uh... Is my natural habitat. Uh, I am a, I'm a very well-trained extrovert. You wouldn't know at all if you met me in public that I'm an introvert. Uh, but uh, definitely uh, my preferred mode of recharging and getting my energy is when I'm alone. 
uh, I uh, I started to to lock myself down. As a matter of fact, a couple of weeks before the orders came, uh, I felt at the time that I might have had a bit of a flu, and I didn't want to give it to anyone, so I stayed at home. And uh, since then, uh, even though I definitely recognize the uh, negative impact, the the difficulty and the harshness of the situation uh, for a lot of people, you know, from loss of life sometimes to the pressure of having loved ones diagnosed and, you know, being alone and so on and so forth, the economic impact. I definitely have made the best out of it. I will have to tell you openly, I truly and honestly uh, enjoy my time in lockdown. I, uh, I got a lot of time for reflection. I've spent a lot of time sort of rewiring some of the mistakes I've been doing as I rushed through the pace of life previously. Uh, you know, I, you know how it is, you, you just go through life and you collect relationships and duties and, uh, uh, you know, certain lifestyles that uh, over the month uh, start to burden you down and, and, and weigh you down. And for me, I think the lockdown has been a significant opportunity for me to slow down. Uh, to reflect on what matters to me, to purge the things that I didn't want out of my life, to keep the things uh, that I that I enjoyed, to start new projects. So I, uh, you know, during the lockdown, I I I, I'm, I keep writing very uh, actively, and I wrote mm-hmm. probably three to four chapters on in two books that I'm working on so far. But I also started a new podcast that's actually really interestingly uh, related to the idea of slowing down. It's called Slow Mo. And the, and the podcast is yes. really just telling the world uh, that you can live in a slightly slower pace than what we're used to. So it's been it's been great overall, knowing knowing the challenges that we go through. Uh, there are also silver linings and upsides, I believe. Nice. So you said you've been uh, revisiting some of your habits and ways of living. What will you do differently when we get out of lockdown? Do we really have to get out of lockdown? I definitely will travel less. So, you know, I was telling a friend the other day, uh, between mid-March and today, I had planned travels around the world that included around 16 destinations uh, within just those six weeks. Uh, You know, more than at least probably twice uh, around the globe complete complete circles and and i lived a lifestyle that is like that for a very long time whether it was my business years or when i really really uh, committed to one billion happy i was traveling around the world talking about the mission meeting people uh you know talking about happiness and 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 i know that this has a positive impact on the world but i think the lockdown has shown us that we can have this a similar positive podcast a uh, positive impact uh uh, you know, um, by 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 doing things without necessarily having to travel so much, without necessarily having to to destroy the environment with, with all of the of the waste that we put into it. Uh, you know, I I definitely want us to travel less. I definitely want to have more time uh, for um, for for the things that matter to me. Uh, I mm-hmm. definitely want to have uh, uh, the ability to not have to go to an office. Uh, so you know, in my current startup is is coping really, really well with the idea of working remotely where we believe we're even more productive than we were when we had to go to the office every day. And, uh, and um, you know, I hope that if I go back to the office, it will be once or twice a week, but I would continue to work remotely. Uh, and definitely the idea of connecting with loved ones, uh, be it in alternative mm-hmm. formats, 
uh, is something that I definitely want to keep more of in my life. Uh, and finally, of course, the idea of reflection and how I can now so regularly spend time uh, doing things that are important for my mind and my body and my spirit and, and that I, I allocate time for that are things I should want to keep uh, as the manic pace of life comes back. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, another question. Uh, do you have any guilty pleasures? Guilty pleasures. And I know you have. <laughs> <laughs> Does coffee count as a, as a guilty pleasure? No, that's too standard. <laughs> that's too standard. What, what is a guilty pleasure? Uh, just define um, it for me. Guilty pleasure is something like give me that some of you yours. are slightly embarrassed for doing, um, but you still enjoy doing it. Uh, example for me, I love to watch YouTube videos where uh, ladies are cleaning. And speaking with a soft voice. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm slightly embarrassed. Uh, I don't know how to answer that. Actually, my life is really an open book. It's quite interesting because, I, you know, I'm not a big shot or anything, but I have several hundred thousand followers, and you know, and it and it's uh, and and I, and they know everything about my life uh, from all of the things I like to uh, guilty pleasures. Uh, 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 uh. I, I, I really adore quantum physics and quantum mechanics. I, I look at them as, uh, as, uh, as, as joy, really. So sometimes when I'm really tired, I would sit down and watch a documentary about physics. Does that count like a... Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's really uh, weird, I, I know. But... <laughs> oh, 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 hold on, hold on. And for the lockdown, I, uh, you, you know, I used to be one of the top players of Halo on the Xbox. Uh, I'm in the top 0.7% of, uh, of all players in the world. I bought an Oculus, uh, Oculus Quest uh, oh. for virtual reality. And I will beat your backside in Beat Saber today. Uh, so I will tell you, I am a very old but very, very serious gamer. Not ashamed, so it's not a guilty pleasure, but it's definitely been a very interesting companion during the lockdown. Interesting. Yeah, I can imagine uh, it's perfect lockdown uh, spend of time. Totally. So people were, pil were piling up on toilet paper. I was pil I was basically ordering my, my new game console. That was my, my, uh, <laughs> my needed, needed companion. Mo, uh, another thing. Um, I checked it. You are turning 53 later this year. Not um, true. I'm never going to turn to 53. No, yes, I am. Okay. Yes. 35. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but what are your uh, best childhood memories? Oh, I had a wonderful childhood. I remember... Uh, um, I, I think the vivid, vivid memories I remember were how my parents uh, somehow managed to get me off alcohol uh, at, a, at, the, at age 11 and managed to get me off cigarettes at age six because my Whoa. mother gave me, yeah, my mother gave me my first cigarette at age six uh, and I tried it and she was just sitting there and said, yeah, yeah, go ahead, light it, enjoy it. And I was like, this is horrible. I really, really dislike this. And, uh, and my dad gave me my first glass of wine at age 11. And that took me off. I, so I actually did, never drank ever again in my life. That was the only time I ever drank. Uh, uh, you know, it was horrible for a child age 11. Wine wasn't interesting at all. And so, uh, and so those were interesting memories. I, uh, I also had parents that really... 
allowed my uh, crazy mo to to live and to thrive. Uh, so from things like building a, a tiny little wood workshop in my in our mm-hmm. little balcony at home, where I really had um, a lot of machinery and a lot of uh, uh, of mess, and I was building you know carpentry projects in there, uh, which was very unexpected and very messy. And my mom used to really love to have a clean place, uh, and I had all of this sawdust everywhere. Uh, to trying to play the guitar and you know after I failed at the, at the keyboards you know I, when, once I said I need a guitar they would empower that when I wanted to to learn um, charcoal portraits or whatever they would immediately get me all I need and so I wow. remember all of those interesting memories where they constantly would uh, would just let me take risks and try things without any track record of of, of knowing anything about them and I think that really, really empowered me as a young man to try a lot of things and, and find out exactly what I loved in life and keep that. Nice. And would you say you are more like your mother or like your father? Uh, is my mom listening to this? Uh, I think, <laughs> uh, so my, <laughs> my mom is an academic and she's very, very organized, uh, you know, very... Um, uh, predictable, if you want. My dad is the math geek, and uh, and he's uh, he's the. Uh, so interestingly, my my mom was more the discipline in the in the house, and my dad was more the love in the house, if you want. More love came from my dad. Of course, my mom g- gave us a lot of love too. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, but I took uh, I think I took more from my dad in terms of the way my brain works. Uh, I, you know, and 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 you know, I'm, I am exactly like him. I, I have a lot of love in me for everything. So, so my default setting is love. I took from my mom mm-hmm. her discipline, but her uh, her um, you know, she she's a serious bookworm, and an, I'm an avid learner. And I remember again vividly that I started to learn to read. Before I went to kindergarten, I mean, in Egypt we we go to kindergarten at age six. So, so at age five, my mom, you know, was basically start teaching me how to start reading, which was again oh. uh, something that was really, really valuable for my life because I read countless books uh, in my young years, which impressive. again framed framed my life very interestingly. Wow, impressive. Okay. Um, I had a question which was maybe going back to uh, the situation where we are in now, uh, lockdown, uh, coronavirus. So um, in your book, you write about uh, the illusion of control as one of the six grand illusions. So I think uh, it's perfect to get to that topic now. Uh, And basically what you say is that Uh, almost nothing is really controllable and we better get our relationship with control uh, more accurate. And so I would like to know how has your relationship been with control throughout your life? I, I, I am a retired control freak. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I really, I was so control freakish and I apologize for my wonderful ex-wife. Uh, you know, I was so control freakish that I would literally build spreadsheets 
uh, to predict uh, uh, how when sh- when we should wash the whites and when we should wash the colors because I was avidly ca- you know careful and 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 protective of the environment and to my mind you know if we if we save a, a load of washing every week and a half that's something that's worth doing. And of course, my wonderful ex-wife, who was the most wonderful woman on the planet, would smile and say, oh, baby, that's wonderful. You created this. That's great. Just show me how to use it. And then she would ignore me completely. And, you know, and if you, if you <laughs> really think about it, she was, she was very, very wise. And she still is my best friend. And she's very wise. And, and it's, um, it is, uh, it's, it's really interesting how control uh, completely destroyed my ability to be happy. So understand that I am a mix of an engineer, a mathematician, a, a software developer, which basically require that everything is perfect all the time. The code that we wrote as software developers would not compile unless it's perfect. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, so, and so I had that enormous uh, perfectionist approach to things. And a businessman, and, and in business, you're... You know, you sort of like if you're responsible for the deal or if you're responsible for the business, you're the one that tries to push everyone to do everything. So not only was I controlling of myself and the outcomes of what I do, but I attempted to control everything around me. And as you can imagine, life gives you no control whatsoever. And so the reality is, as a result of that, I was suffering twice. I was suffering from all of the effort I have been putting into trying to control things that are not controllable, yes. trying to control people like yourself who hate to be controlled, right? And then, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and then, of course, the, re- the, the, the reality of control is that it sets expectations of control that will always be missed. And as per my happiness equation, unhappiness happens when the events of life miss, miss, miss your expectations of how life should be. And if your expectation is that everything will be within control, good luck. You know, it's, it's, you're bound to be disappointed very, very often. I, uh, I sort of, um, in my struggle with my ha- unhappiness in, the, in my late 20s, uh, I, you know, one of the very first uh, probably the second illusion I started to tackle was the illusion of control, uh, which basically meant that I needed to achieve what I needed to achieve in life, uh, knowing the reality of I can influence, but I cannot control. And I think that was definitely one of my top steps or strides to happiness. But also, believe it or not, it became one of my biggest reasons for success uh, in my in my uh, in my career from then onwards, because as of my early thirties, I was never a, an individual contributor anymore. I didn't code myself. I didn't sell myself. I was always managing yeah. big teams, and you know, working with people across multiple disciplines, and being able to understand that you will never really control anyone. You can only influence them. That leaders don't push from behind. Leaders lead from the front. Uh, that you can yeah. actually say this is where we're going and inspire people and let them take the path to get there. I think that was one of my biggest, biggest reasons for success. Yeah. So influence, but no control. Yeah. Uh, influence, but no control. Uh, have ambitions, but detach. I think these are the yeah. two elements of, of living a life without control. Yeah. Thank you. I think a lot of people listening to this can uh, learn from that. Um, so you you just talked about leading big teams, and uh, you, I know you led big teams. Um, 
in my opinion, one of the big hurdles in, in good leadership is ego. Um, hmm. And I think as a leader, one of your duties is to learn about your ego and to get in touch with it and to become conscious about it. Uh, and so my question to you would be, what did you learn about your ego? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, sharp questions here. <laughs> um, so I, I always say that the biggest reason for unhappiness is uh, in the modern world is ego. Uh, the second biggest reason is, is ego. And, and in my personal experience, uh, I, uh, I, ego is literally like an onion. You, you keep peeling it and you keep realizing that you still have egos over egos over egos over egos that your ego is endless and that and and that as a matter of fact in my work in salt for happy uh i i discuss the idea that you will never get rid of an ego you you you'll never be able to live egoless okay you yeah. you can you can always define your egos and uh, as a result, uh, use the utility of ego, but not let your ego own you. And, and let me explain what that means. So, yeah. you know, there was a phase in my life where I bought expensive cars and classic cars and I bought expensive suits and I, you know, attempted to appear to be the larger than life man who's made it in life, who has everything, right? And yeah. surprisingly, when I was doing that, I started doing it before I actually made it in life. And, mm -hmm. you know, basically what I was doing is I was building a lie in front of everyone that was saying, hey, look at me, I have the expensive car, I must be very successful. And that was a lie because I wasn't yet very successful and I was paying, you know, monthly for that car to try and just keep the ego. And that made me very unhappy. And then mm -hmm. when I became actually, you know, reasonably well off and I really uh, was reasonably successful, I was continuing to, to, to spend on those things, but wondering why, what am I trying to prove? I am already successful. I, mean, I shouldn't be trying to prove that. And, and that was actually the time when I started to come up with this very weird idea of if I were to, to wear branded clothes, they should mm -hmm. pay me. Why should I pay them? Okay, they should be the ones that pay me to carry the brand, almost like you know a football team would, would be paid to have the Emirates uh, logo on their t-shirt right so, so yeah. somehow it's like if i'm already successful then if i wear this brand that brand should be grateful for me and and i think that flipped my uh, my thought i was never really massively successful or a big shot of anyway in any way but you know i had maybe thousands of employees that aspired to 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 work with me or to be like me and so on and so forth so so that flipped my my thinking at the beginning but then I started to change myself. So if you, you know, if you see me today, I wear $19 t-shirts. I wear comfortable jeans. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't try to make an impression with my clothing or whatever. Uh, and, yeah. and, and I, at the, at the beginning, I was like, I'm getting rid of my ego. But then I realized I was just assuming another ego. I was assuming now the ego of the simple man that doesn't care about his clothes. Right. Yeah. And so, and so accordingly, I started to recognize that, uh, you know, if I wear a, a, a Pink Floyd T-shirt, which you will often uh, see me, uh, I'm assuming you see me wearing, I'm assuming the ego of a Pink Floyd fan. Right. Yeah. I want people who like P Pink Floyd to approach me and say, hey, you're cool. 
right? And and yeah. so so I started to ask myself, what do I do then? I mean, if I if just wearing simple black t-shirts still has ego in it, the ego of the simple California style executive, uh, then wh- how what do you do? What you do is you acknowledge the ego of yes, I would like to be seen as a, a simple person who doesn't care about uh, appearances but don't but own your ego don't let it own you when, and 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 the test is very simple hmm? the test is would you feel anxious or unhappy if someone contradicted the image you have of yourself right if someone came to me and said hey you think of yourself as a real video gamer you're nobody there are a hundred thousand other people out there, which actually is true. Probably, if I am at the point seven percent of all top players, there must be at least four or five thousand players that are better than me. Okay. Yeah. So if someone came to me and said, "Hey, by the way, you think of yourself as a big shot of, in Halo. There are four thousand people better than you." If my ego gets hurt, then my ego owns me. Okay. If I go like, yeah. "Oh my God, that's so cool! Can I meet them?" Then I have owned my ego. Right, and once yeah. we manage to own our ego, everything changes. Everything changes because yeah. ego is a path to constant unhappiness. Because again, that mm-hmm. simple test of ego is this: if people approve of you, of your ego, of what you're pretending to be, they're approving of something that you're not. So that doesn't really make you happy. And if people disapprove of you, you constantly struggle to make them approve of you, and that makes you very unhappy. Okay, yeah. so 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 to go down the path of ego is just a, a lost path. It's it's just it doesn't get you anywhere. And 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 I realize that there is a utility to ego. Huh? So in the modern world, unfortunately, everyone on LinkedIn is a VP, right? Why? Because everyone else is a VP, and if you don't make yourself look big, you may not get that next opportunity. So somehow you have to sort of talk about yourself in a way that is a little presentable, if you want. Yes, I think yeah. that's reasonably okay to do that as long as you don't lie to yourself and say, hey, I'm the big shot, okay? The fake yeah. it until you make it, the American uh, uh, export to the world, that is an absolute pile of crap, right? It's, it's yeah. You're supposed to make it so that you don't need to fake it. And I think that's the right way to manage your ego. So make it and don't fake it. Yeah, so, make it so you uh, don't also, fake it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think a bit in the same category. Um, big egos for me uh, in the business world go together with this very uh, strong image, masculine very often. Uh, and I know uh, it's a topic you you like to talk about, uh, the masculine and the feminine sides. Uh, do you have a feminine side and how oh. does it look like? I uh, do. <laughs> I do, I do, and it's so empowering. I so I, I lived. So I'm, I'm a Middle Eastern. If you've seen me, I have a beard, and I, you know, uh, uh, I'm bald, and so very masculine looking, if you want. And uh, and I, you know, in the Middle East, when we when we're raised, we're conditioned to believe that there are certain attributes to being a man that are highly masculine, right? Yeah. Uh, and and so. Uh, and and I, I I live with one simple quest in life. I, I believe there is a divine and there is more than our physical form. And my entire mm-hmm. life revolves around that discovery of what is beyond this life. Okay. And it's a very, yeah. very simple 
a very simple target for for a person to have in life it's a very complex path to to take but my but i am single track minded in everything that i do as a quest to achieve that target uh, around five and a half years ago uh, i woke up one day and i could hear my left brain talking to me saying this is as far as i can take you and 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 i've done a ton of research on the topic i've studied all religions i have you know studied a lot of spirituality i have studied a lot of you know uh, physics and and you know uh, um, metaphysics and all of that and with my left brain okay with my with my yeah. logical masculine brain and and it was really eye opening for me for my brain itself to say but what you're searching for is non physical and so it you know the logic of everything that you can measure and the scientific method and all of the you know the analysis that you put into it is not going to get us further than this and so i started so so i basically literally took the day off i i, I sat in silence and i tried to try to analyze what what was that is like my, is my brain giving up on me and <laughs> of course over over a few uh, a few months of analysis I started to recognize that my left brain, the one that I, the masculine side of the brain, and I'll explain to you why I call it the masculine brain, is really just a very tiny fraction of who we are. Okay, for some of us, it's the yeah. majority of who, who of who we are, but then that that you know there is another side of us. You know, our limbic system, which is all responsible for our emotions and how we engage with, with emotions, is is definitely not a masculine quality. That's much more of a feminine quality. So the feminine side of us is much more able to connect to their own body, to their own emotions. You know, the masculine brain, which has this idea of linear thinking, is uh, you know is different in the in the feminine quality of flow which happens differently right so the more you maximize yeah. one side of them the more the, the the less you benefit from the presence of the others of the other side and then i watched my most eye opening uh, experience uh, you know ted talk by a uh, a neuroscientist called uh, uh, jill balty taylor and jill balty taylor was yeah. uh, basically a neuroscientist that that had a stroke and the stroke disabled her left brain and i actually I almost cry thinking about that because it was so such a such an um a, a, a life-changing moment for me. So when she started to describe what it, what we are like when we are operating only with our right brain, it was yeah. so shocking and eye-opening and I started to establish that theory that masculine and feminine are not body parts, they're not sexual preferences, they're not biology, they are not hormones they are qualities okay that that that, yeah. that that linear thinking is a masculine quality and that intuition is a feminine quality and that nobody none of us and 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 if you see them those way this way you would realize that uh, empathy as a feminine quality happens in your limbic system uh, you know uh, analytical thinking for example happens in your prefrontal cortex or neocortex and so on so so there are parts of our brains associated with with masculine and, and feminine and because of neuroplasticity the more you train one side of it the more it becomes you just like going to the gym our brains develop over time and so i started to reverse that process over five and a half years I've been starting to reverse the process of how masculine my approach to life has been and I've been exploring my feminine and and the feminine side again doesn't mean as per the middle eastern standards that I'm less male 
at all. I'm exactly as male as I always have been. I'm just a lot more feminine. So I actually measure because uh, this is my 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 masculine brain talking. Huh? I measure now <laughs> that I am fifty eight percent feminine. Okay, and I actually measure that if I were to live up to my actual capacity, I'd probably be sixty eight percent feminine. What does that yeah. mean? It means that I have qualities that are innate to me that are really the backbone of me that are all around uh, uh, you know empathy around uh, um, uh, you know intuition around creativity around uh, you know um, being uh, able to recognize patterns around being able to uh, uh, embrace uh, paradoxes uh, you know the one that I worked heavily on because it's the opposite of my illusion of control is the is the quality of flow, which is a very very feminine quality, yeah. huh? uh, and and so on. So to to answer your question, I don't think any of us is ever masculine or feminine. Each of us is an interesting, unique mix of all of them. I've 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 identified 113 human qualities that I put on the mas- masculine and and feminine scales, and the more prominent those qualities, the feminine qualities are in your life, the more feminine that you are the more prominent the masculine qualities are in your life, the more masculine that you are, but none of us is one or the other. I just want to, to start, to, 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 I know it's a, I, I always talk too much about that topic, but it's a topic that's very dear to me. No, the, but... The, 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 the thing about this is, is, is you would be surprised at how big the lie uh, of success in the modern world is because it, the modern world makes us believe that to succeed as a leader... You, sh- you need to capitalize on your masculine qualities. You need to be more pushy, more strong, more uh, um, you know, linear, more analytical, uh, and so on, right? I, I yeah. say masculine qualities are fabulous for you to be a good manager, okay? That, in, I, that if you think about all of those leaders that have actually managed to change the world, regardless of their body parts, they were more feminine than masculine. Gandhi was more feminine than masculine. You know, all of the qualities of nonviolent communication, nonviolent resistance, empathy, uh, you know, being able to see the bigger picture, all of that is very, very feminine. Uh, Steve Jobs, believe it or not, even though most people will think of Steve Jobs as an incredibly uh, aggressive and pushy and sometimes forceful leader, the qualities that made Steve Jobs an amazing, amazing, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, being that changed the world was his ability to have empathy for his users' needs, his understanding of beauty and color, uh, you know, his creativity and so on and so forth. These were the qualities that made him, um, you know, incredible. Believe it or not, his masculine qualities sort of made him less incredible. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, super interesting. And I feel like a new concept for uh, retreats is being born <laughs> <laughs> it's a topic that is very very important for our world not for not ju- not just for yeah. retreats. I, I think i think our world is truly suffering from hyper masculinity yeah let's um yeah let's brainstorm about, about that later <laughs> because i start having <laughs> ideas um yeah is there something like a skill you still want to acquire in this life or to learn oh Endless? Are you kidding? I'm. I haven't even started. If if you could, uh, <laughs> if you could pick one, flow for sure. Flow flow is definitely so. So the way the way the feminine uh, creates is almost the opposite of the way the masculine uh, creates. So so the masculine is all about doing, doing, doing. We force things forward. We push them forward. 
And that's a skill that I have acquired over the years, and I'm really good at it, at least in the fields that I've operated in, in business and so on and so forth. The feminine is more about flowing with with nature and where nature takes us and manifesting. Okay, so attracting things to you rather than pushing things forward while you flow with the with the streams of life and yeah. and i and i believe you know remember huh I, my quest is to understand what is beyond the physical this is my quest in life and so yeah. to be able to to assume that my my that i can push my way through that is actually very stupid. Huh? The, the way to find my reality and to find my understanding of the, of the world and to really, really move to the next level of insight, hopefully of enlightenment, if you want, hmm, is to flow, mm-hmm. is to let the feminine take me. And as I said, because of my hyper-masculine control freakishness, it is definitely a skill that I work on every single day. The idea of being able to let go to trust the universe, to understand that not everything is done. Some things are achieved just by being. And that's the feminine side. So the masculine side is doing, the feminine side is being. And there are things that you can achieve but just by being, just by not doing anything. And I think yeah. that's the skill that, uh, that, uh, that is you know, next on the list for me. Cool. When I listen to that, I feel like I also have to develop more my feminine side <laughs> <laughs> believe it or not and i say i mean you, you, you and i are good friends and you know you know how much i appreciate your feminine side and we spoke about that before but believe it or not i think everyone in our world today has been trained to depend more on the masculine okay so so because yeah. of the way the way success has been uh, sort of rendered in the modern world we all are a little more controlling. We're all a little more, a little less flexible. We're all a little, uh, you know, forceful and so on and so forth, sometimes competitive and so on. And yes, I think there is a chance for all of us, males and females, to explore more of the feminine. Cool. Um, yes, so this podcast is also a bit about inspirational leadership. Um, what makes for you uh, a leader stand out? And... Uh, who is an inspiring leader for you? Can you give an example? Oh, uh, my ex-wife is a very inspiring leader. Uh, she nice. took a very difficult, uh, very masculine, very analytical, reasonably smart, so very determined and driven man. And through her wisdom over the years, she could form me and mold me and change me, uh, again, without forcing it on me, but by showing me uh, the right way, and and I think that idea of uh, of leadership being viewed only in the political realm or in the business realm is actually really, really uh, uh, limited. It's limiting and limited. I think I think leadership to me is the idea. Uh, so so let me start by saying management is about getting things done by forcing actions through control okay yeah and management sadly is what is being positioned in the world of today as leadership and that's probably one of the main reasons why our 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 world has so many failings in it okay Uh, uh, leadership is to have an unwavering passion about something that you stand for and to 
express that pa- passion as you as you take strides in the direction of achieving it in a way that inspires others to follow you so leaders yeah. are actually not about telling people what to do at all they're just all about i i wish i can see this change happening in the world okay and i'm going yeah. to be the the first one that will run forward to make that change happen and if you guys want to join follow me because i'm going to be zooming uh, in that direction and 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 interestingly leaders never really tell people to do things okay leaders lead by example they do things okay leaders never really tell people that they know things right leaders are so um driven by their passion for their dream to happen that they consult with everyone that they see to learn what others see which they don't that may help them get to that dream okay yeah. and it's almost it's almost really uh, 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 disappointing if you think about it because that's not what any business book will teach you okay no. most business books will teach you to be a very efficient manager to be a very good ceo yeah. right but our world doesn't need managers and it's, as it's, as you can see huh, if you look back at t- true leaders hmm, true leaders were never never would never make themselves leaders they would be elected yeah. to lead okay they would be the people that were the the, the, the the kinds of people that people will look at, uh, up to and say why don't you show us the way and most of them by the way the, some of the most amazing leaders i've ever had the the joy of uh, of uh, of interacting with or working with would sort of dread it they're like seriously do i really have to do this okay all i want is to see my dream my passion become a reality yeah Nice. So you you are a leader when when you have followers basically. Yeah, you are a leader when you're chosen to lead, when you have followers, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um another questions I had um how do you make decisions? Oh, oh, we have nice. oh, oh. so I have. Sure so you, I, you know, you you know me, Carlene. I always work on multiple books at the same time, and I'm constantly writing notes for books that I will write in the future. Uh, and one of one of, of the, your books, yeah, one of my books is actually exactly how about about how I make decisions. My my brain is very unusual in the way I make logical decisions because I actually almost turn everything into math, which is very very. Uh, uh, was very eye-opening for me when I discovered that. Actually, I didn't know that at all. That the way I solve any logical problem, like when you give me a question like this, in my mind there is some kind of math that is prioritizing and and categorizing, and you know it's really very unusual. So I I was writing. Uh, I wrote the notes for something I call Bomb Squad, which is I don't know if that will be a good uh, a good book coming from a middle eastern but yes so bomb squad <laughs> is about it's about the idea of how um how um you know i imagine uh the uh that problems are bombs okay mm-hmm. and and so to to solve problems you have to solve them as if you were this you know disarming bombs and and so sometimes you solve them by uh, setting highest priority sometimes you sort you sort them by layering sometimes you sort them by maximum damage sometimes you sort them by uh, by uh, fastest path to success and so on and so forth and it's quite interesting actually so i am i'm not going to share too much on it because it's just a you know a, a book that i wrote the notes of a few time a few a few months ago so hopefully it will 
crystallize more. Yeah, it will crystallize more. I hope. But what I would actually like to talk to you about is more what I've started to learn to make decisions uh, more and more in my life is, again, the idea of flow. So, so let, me, let me just say that no single decision will ever make you other than to decide not to decide. Okay, let me, let me say that again. The only decision that will ever make you is not to decide. Okay, that most of the time, yeah. life is so dynamic. I mean, we're, we're in, in lockdown. And so we understand huh, that one virus, a uh, tiny creature, uh, is locking down his entire planet. Okay, and, and if you had planned whatever it is that you had planned for the year back in January is no longer, uh, is no longer uh, you know, valid at all for any of us. And so I've, I've learned to, 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 to overlay two uh, um, decision-making criteria. One is what I call the directional ambition. So I start my years not with targets like I used to. I start them with directions. I am attempting for this year to go in that in that direction. Okay, and and you know my ambition is far, far, far on that path. Okay, it's not something that I normally think I can achieve. But it's imagine if I can achieve a billion happy. That would be amazing. So that's the direction and the ambition. But then, as yeah. I uh, but then as I decide, I make micro decisions, micro decisions that are not contradictory. So one of them doesn't cancel the other because the direction is set. Okay, but they sort yeah. of oscillate around the direction. So one of them, you know, so take one billion happy for example. For for a, for a couple of years, my main objective was to go out and speak in public and create uh, you know video content and and audio content that's out on the in in the world if you want on YouTube and so on and so forth. Um, uh, and Facebook and so on. And so, uh, you know, uh, and, and so that was my direction. It is, uh, that was my micro decision and it was in the direction of One Billion Happy. This year, my direction is a lot more around tech, deep tech, like, you know, apps, building apps or deep uh, distribution platforms like the podcast, slow-mo and so on and so forth, right? And so, and so by, yeah. by oscillating into micro decisions and re- revisiting uh, yourself every six months, every three months, every depending on the frequency that you need uh, for that specific decision, then you can actually get those micro decisions to add up into a big, uh, a big path for you rather than a big decision that you stick to. I apply that in business and I apply it in my personal life. So, you know, for example, in my relationships, in my f- feminine relationships post my breakup, I am now on something yeah. that I call, uh, I call Blueprint 7. Okay, and Blueprint 7 is my seventh <laughs> attempt. Yeah, it's a, I know it sounds really weird, but it's basically my seventh attempt of, of trying to figure out exactly what it is that I'm trying to achieve, uh, you know, uh, after having a wonderful 28-year relationship. And, you know, is that really what I want again? Is that how, uh, you know, is that the path I need to be on? Is it the right way to do it? Who am I looking for in my life? Is, do I look for another Nibel, another wonderful woman, and so on and so forth? So I do, I do that in everything. When it comes to lockdown and quarantine, you know, my, I, my approach to what, how I will exercise, how I will work out is always micro decisions followed by reassessment and followed by more micro decisions. Yeah, nice. Um, then, um, probably one of the last questions, but what keeps you up at night? Uh, too much coffee. 
Nothing at all. I have a, <laughs> I have a very, I have a very, very peaceful heart. Sometimes I've, I'm very passionate about a topic. So I'm, I'm currently writing a book called that's, that's called Scary Smart. It's about uh, the idea of AI and how AI will inter- interact with us in the future. And it's a very, very, very intriguing topic for me. It's a topic that I saw from all angles. You know, I, I, yeah. I, I worked and created a lot of the AI that you, uh, that you know today. And so. So that that sometimes you know I would wake up at four a.m. and I am unable to come back to sleep because I get an inspiration. Uh, otherwise, I'm reasonably peaceful. I think very few things uh, today you would uh, would war- would warrant my incessant thought to take over. I, you know, a lot of people who listen to to my talks regularly will know that I call my brain Becky, and I treat my brain yes. as a third party. Mm. And so, and so Becky speaks quite a lot and sometimes it, you know, it interferes, but I have a way of telling her to shut up and to, to focus, focus her thinking. Are we on time? Yeah, we're on time. Last question. What is the question you get asked the most in interviews? Uh, The question I get asked the most in interviews or in general, in general, the question I most, I get asked the most is, uh, 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 how can we make our children happy? So when I th- when I speak to people about happiness and they get it and they understand it, uh, uh, you know they start to to care about okay so so you know can we have this for children? And I always answer by saying, you know, stop making them unhappy. It's it's really that's very straightforward, and that your children are never going to be listening to what you tell them what to do. Uh, they're just going to do to to do what you're doing. So if you want to make your children happy, learn to be happy yourself, and stop wanting them to be successful only. Start wanting them to be successful and happy. Wow, what a wonderful uh, last answer uh, in the podcast. Yeah, Mo, uh, the, the alarm just went off, so it means uh, we're at the end of the the interview. Um, I wanted to uh, thank you for for uh, being so inspirational. It's always uh, very uh, interesting to talk to you because I always learn a lot of things. Oh my God, thank you. People also uh, learn a lot of things. Uh, I'm very uh, looking forward to uh, anything you might do on the masculine feminine side uh, and as well the decision making um, and I think for the people who like to listen to podcasts uh, really uh, listen to slow-mo um, I, I listened to first episodes and it's it's really really uh, very entertaining to listen to and also there you you can learn a lot um, yeah so Mo um, Good luck with with your your all your twenty thousand uh, things you're working on. <laughs> um, I wish the lockdown for you still lasts a few more months. Uh, yes, please. I know it will make you happy. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. It didn't feel like forty eight minutes. And thanks for the opportunity, Carly. Thank you all for listening, and see you next time. But. Before you head off, if you haven't heard our previous episodes yet, then I strongly recommend you check them out. You can find them on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. And check out our website www.48hoursunplugged.com to stay up to date on all our upcoming leadership retreats and other activities related to inspiring leadership. Together, let's bring more inspiring leaders into this world. Have a lovely day.